You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death construction. In the fields of bodies burning. Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program is coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. The program will be podcast in the next 48 hours. You'll be able to access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. And if you're wondering what anarchism is all about, it's a very simple concept. Even I can understand, and if I can understand it, obviously you can understand it. It's a very simple concept. It comes from the Greek, ancient Greek, anarchos, without rulers. It's the struggle to create a society without rulers. So going back to first principles, what gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of hundreds of thousands, millions and billions of people? There is very simply inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is the struggle to devolve power or share power to ensure that as many people as possible are involved in the decision-making process which affect them and it's the, the struggle to hold wealth in common and use the commonwealth for the common good. And considering we live in Australia, well, what do you expect? Commonwealth for common good. Now today, now obviously as this program is broadcast through the community radio network across community radio stations across Australia and also for Triple Z in Brisbane. Not everybody listens to the program at the same time. Some radio stations play the program at a later date. And the reason I've made that point is that this morning, and I am broadcasting in the morning, it's Wattle Day, the 1st of September. The 1st of September, Wattle Day. Now, I'm sure you've never heard of Wattle Day, or a few of you have. Most of you haven't. And it's interesting that in an era when the primary holidays that we have as a nation are exceptionally contentious, like Invasion Day on the 26th of January, Queen Lizzie's birthday, and the list goes on and on, Anzac Day. Uh, so there are, there are contentious aspects to all those days, especially the 26th of January and Queen Lizzie's birthday. I think it's important that we look at at a day where we can all celebrate the fact that we live on this continent and the islands around the continent, this continent, that we can actually celebrate that day. And I know I've spoken in the past about making Eureka Day, the 3rd of December, a national holiday to replace um, Invasion Day on the 26th of January, and I've spoken about 
making the 3rd of June Mabo Day a national holiday, the day when the High Court of Australia recognised after 204 years that Indigenous Australians had rights to land in law because of their prior occupation in this land. Both those dates obviously can be contentious in the community. But what could be more inclusive, more joyous than the first day of spring after winter? The wattles are blooming, and the wattles have been blooming for the last four weeks at least, six weeks, four to six weeks. And Wattle Day does have a history. Like all days, it has a history. At the turn of the beginning of the 20th century, not the 21st century, the 20th century, there was this rise with federation of the idea that the Australian people living on this continent should somehow relate to their environment. And if you look at furniture and jewellery and poetry and songs and books, which were written by the more radical elements in Australian society at the beginning of the 20th century, you saw this rise, not of Australian nationalism, but a rise of recognition that people who lived on this continent, obviously who dispossessed the original inhabitants through force, but who lived on this continent at the beginning of the 20th century, somehow were different, now to relate differently to the environment, to the colonisers who came out from uh, Great Britain. And in 1913, the National Wattle Day League was formed to raise the idea of using the wattle and Wattle Day as a day of national celebration, a day that everybody could um, become involved in on that day. Now, in 1988, that's right, as recently as 1988, the Golden Wattle was designated as Australia's floral emblem. And all those of you who think that it's been Australia's floral emblem officially since Federation, think again. It wasn't until 1988, during the uh, Hawke era, the Golden Wattle was designated as Australia's floral, floral emblem. And in 1992, the Governor-General, the man who said that uh, when uh, Hawke bumped him out of the leadership of the ALP that a drover's dog could win the election, in 1992, the Governor-General, Bill Hayden, who is still alive in 2021, declared the first of... September has National Wattle Day. And since then, we've forgotten all about it. You'll listen to radio commentators today and you'll listen to television commentators and you'll go on social media and those of you who can talk to your friends will talk to your friends and the list goes on and on. And I'm pretty confident very few will use, will remember Wattle Day. Now, to give them their due, the Australian Republican Party has always celebrated Wattle Day as Australia's uh, national day. So I can't think of a more non-contentious, 
friendly day for us as a people to celebrate the good things that have happened and also atone for the terrible things that have happened in the history of this country. I can't see why we can't just forget about the 26th of January Invasion Day unless we turn the 26th of January from Invasion Day to Atonement Day to atone for the excesses of colonisation and the continuing legacy of colonisations on this country's First Nations people and use the 26th of January as an Atonement Day and declare the 1st of September, which already is on our calendar, National Wattle Day, as a public holiday where people have reflect, can reflect on where we've come from and where we're going and uh, look at the whole history of this country, not just that what we're expected to look at. So what can I say? Half the population is a lockdown. If you've got a wattle tree, go and have a look at it. If you've got the ability to walk five kilometres, as they have in, Vic- in Victoria currently, and that's about it, uh, go and have a look at some wattle and in- enjoy the day. It's the first day of spring, it's wattle day. And if you're listening to this program, and it's not the first day of spring, you're listening to it a few days later, or you're listening to the program as a podcast, and you can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Why don't we have a national movement to stop celebrating Australia Day on Invasion Day and designate the 1st September, the first day of spring, Wattle Day, a day of national celebration? You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Tosco. I'm hosting today's program. Now, next little thank you. Now, those of you who have listened to the uh, Anarchist World this week for the last 40 decades, or 40 40 decades, it made me bloody old, wouldn't it? 400 years old, it'll be almost as old as Miss, Miss, was it Miss Suvlo, whatever his name was in the Bible? Not that I read the Bible. Or the Koran, or the Torah, you know, or the Hindu Vestas, no, no. But, but... I'd like to a big thank you. Now, this program is broadcast via the Community Radio Network from the studios of Radical Station, community-powered radio, Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne. And the Anarchist World this week commenced under a different name uh, and it commenced as uh, Encounters with the Third Alternative. We were talking about capitalism, communism, anarchism, and the third alternative was anarchism with the downfall of the... Uh, Russian communist experiment. We felt that it was time that we just forgot about communism and spoke about anarchism. And the Anarchist World this week has been broadcasting continuously from the studios of uh, community radio station 3CR. And about 15 years ago, the program was picked up by the community radio network. And that's why you're listening to this program via your local community radio stations across this country. And uh, it's been picked up by a number of radio stations. So, but in order to keep 
Community Radio 3CR. And let's not forget, there are very few prog- very few radio stations, even community radio stations, which would give an anarchist program, a radical program like the Anarchist Will This Week, airplay. And I'm very grateful, and the Anarchist Institute is very grateful, that we have continued to be part of the Community Radio Federation as one of the affiliates, and we have continued to broadcast weekly. So I'd like to a big thank you. Uh, FreeCA has a radio phone every year because the main reason that community radio station 3CR can broadcast radical content and radical ideas and give access to the radio waves to marginalised groups is because it doesn't rely on private funding or government funding in order to survive. And a lot of the money that is required to keep a radio station on air, like 3CR, 365 days a year and 366 days a year and 24 hours a day on air, comes from the listeners through listener sponsorships and through what we describe as the uh, big radio fund every year. And this year, I'm particularly thankful because the Anarchist World this week, we finally got our total. We've been able to raise $15,557 for 3CR. That's not pledged. That's money that's been paid in to the 3CR account to keep the radio station on air, help to keep the radio station on air for another 12 months. So thank you very much. Whether you donated $5 or $5,000 is irrelevant. What's relevant is that you have shown your support for programs like the Anarchist Will this week by donating to this particular radio station's radio form. Now, importantly, many community radio stations across this country rely on listener sponsorships and rely on radio funds in order to survive and continue broadcasting to their community. And I encourage you, especially if you can't get involved in your local community radio station, especially in times of lockdown, that if you can support them financially, do so. Because the more financial support they have from their listeners, the less power governments and the private sector have to determine the content. And what makes community radio such a viable strong force in the community is the fact that we do not have to dance to their tune. So all those who donated to the Anarchist World this week to keep community radio station 3CR on air in Melbourne, thank you very much. And your donations have all also helped to keep this program on air through the community radio network. The plan. Part four. Now, last week I talked about the plan, you know. The Morrison-led's Liberal government's, uh, Liberal National Party government's plan for re-election. But I forgot the most important part of their f- plan. And it's... I've been outfoxed. You've been outfoxed. Public interest before corporate interest has been outfoxed. Those of you who think that the Burmese military, the Taliban, that's right, the Burmese military, the Taliban, the Chinese Communist Party, 
the Belarusian dictatorship, the Russian oligarchy, oligarchy, and the Morrison-led Liberal National Coalition have nothing in common. Think again. Now, on the 12th of August, a very interesting bill was passed through the House of Representatives, first reading, if I remember correctly, which is a profound implication on the type of democracy we have in this country. And this bill is called the Party Registration Integrity Bill. And I'll say it again. The Party Registration Integrity Bill. Now, regular listeners to the Anarchist World this week know that public interest before corporate interests was aiming to register as a federal political party, if not for this federal election, for the next federal election. And also because a majority of our membership, because it's based in Victoria or based in Victoria, we are still aiming for registration as a state-based Victorian party before the next state election in uh, late November next year. But there's a problem. Opinion poll after opinion poll and election after election has demonstrated to the major parties that there is a problem as far as the Australian electorate is concerned. The Australian electorate is wary. It's not happy. It's not happy. It's disillusioned with the parliamentary process. And the two-party system is on the verge of collapse. That's right. And opinion poll after opinion poll shows an increasing number of Australians, anywhere between 10 to 15%, will not be voting for the three major parties at this next federal election. And because we have a preferential voting system where it doesn't matter how you vote, your vote matters. And as most electorates are on razor-sharp minorities, the, the, uh, the so-called swinging swing seats, how that 10 to 15% of the electorate vote can have a major impact on the major political parties. So, how do you stop this growing dissatisfaction with parliamentary politics? Do you sharpen your act or do you close the door? Do you make parliamentary elections a two-horse race or a three-horse race? Do you close the doors? Do you close your books and you prevent other people from being involved in elections. Now, we've seen this before, and we've seen it for, for years. For example, I'll give you an example, simple example. If you stand as a single candidate, independent candidate, for a Senate election, you can't have a box above the line. There's 95% of people, you know, mark the boxes above the line. Your chances of being elected are nil. If you stand as a group, 
say two of you get together and stand as a group, you are allowed to have a box above the line. But it is illegal for the word independent to be placed next to your box. So when people are looking at their Senate paper, and it can be you know, a bit daunting, they look at the boxes above the line, they can see the name of the registered political party next to that box. Right? But when it comes to the independence box, there is no name next to that box. So most people think, oh, it's, a, it's some type of misprint or it's an error, and they don't even bother looking at who's attached to that box. So that's one way to keep independence out of the Senate. And if you look at the Senate today, there is not one independent member of the Senate. They're all members of registered political parties. Another way of keeping people from standing for election is by raising the deposit. They call it a deposit to stand. And currently... It costs $1,000 for a House representative seat to stand and $2,000 for each candidate in a Senate seat. So when party registration was introduced, it was introduced basically to water down the ability of independents to participate in elections. Now, party registration has been based on the ability of a group of people finding 500 people in the country who agree with their opinions, who join the party, who are on the electoral roll. And currently there are about 60 registered federal political parties Now, registration does give you a lot of advantages. If I want to stand as an independent currently in a federal election, I have to find 50 people in that electorate, in the House of Representatives, who are willing to nominate me before I can actually nominate. That can be a little bit difficult. And if I want to nominate for the Senate, I need to find 100 people for each candidate standing in the Senate. But if I'm a member of a registered political party, the party's registered officer can walk in to the Electoral Commission, the Australian Electoral Commission, with a a bundle of cash and say, we want this person in this electorate, this person in that 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 electorate, these five or three or four for the Senate. Hands over the cash and it's an automatic inclusion. Now, as if this isn't enough, we now have the Party Registration Integrity Bill, which has been pushed into Parliament. And I can assure you that the the Labor Party, I'm not sure of the Greens, are very happy to see the Party Registration Integrity Bill arrive. Because what the Morrison-led Liberal National Party has in common with the the Taliban and the Burmese military and the Russian oligarchy and the Chinese Communist parties, they don't like opposition. 
They don't like opposition. While many of these groups violently deal with any opposition groups within their society, the Liberal National Party, because of the lack of opposition in this country, uses Parliament to destroy their opposition. So what is the content of the Party Registration Integrity Bill which makes it such an interesting document? Well, it has two important parts to it. The first part, which will have a profound implication on registered, smaller registered political parties and political parties like public interest before corporate interests who are attempting to be registered as a political party, with a, with a stroke of a pen, the number of members that you need to have before a party can be registered as a federal political party has been increased from 500 to 1,500. And this has been done for two reasons. One, it's to deter upcoming groups from registering as a federal political party. And even more importantly, it has been designed to get rid of a majority of the minor parties which now are registered for federal elections. So what that means is when you turn up to cast your ballot, the number of political parties that will be able to offer their services, in inverted commas, to the electorate, will be greatly reduced. So what we'll have is an exclusive club. A little bit like they have in Iran, where the mullahs can determine who stands and who doesn't. By changing the legislation, what this means is that they have closed the door on most new political parties from being registered. Close the door. So you have your election and you have a limited amount of choice. So the party that champions choice when it comes to economic situation is now championing championing the removal of choice when it comes to parliamentary politics because they're concerned about the growing number of people who are going to vote for minor parties independent. So what do you do? You make it almost impossible for minor parties to register. You get rid of the minor parties that have registered already who haven't got 1,500 members and you continue to dominate the electoral sphere. What they don't understand is this type of politics only fuels the only fuels the anger and the disillusionment that people feel towards a system of parliamentary elections which is little more than two minutes of illusory power. Not only do we give representatives a signed blank check to make decisions for us now, electors have denied the opportunity to cast a ballot 
for a political party which best reflects their views and the type of society we should have. Now, it gets better. That's right. It's like when you listen to those advertisements or watch those advertisements on, you know, on the legacy TV or wherever, and they throw in a set of steak knives. It gets better. There are two parts to the Party Registration Integrity Bill, which makes all the hullabaloo about the Chinese Communist Party crushing democracy in Hong Kong little more than hypocrisy. The next part of the Party Registration Integrity Bill is based on the idea that parties that are registered can now deny new parties the ability to use words which describe the current registered political parties. Words like democratic, words like labour, words like green, words like liberal, as if, as if the government can define what a word means. I mean, you've got the Liberal Democratic Party, which is a libertarian party. And you've got other parties. So they're going to deny the major parties any emerging political movements or parties to use words which reflect principles like democracy, like labour, like liberal. So here we have not only a tightening of the rules about who can be a registered political party, but a tightening of the rules in such a way as to ensure the current incumbents continue to be re-elected. All this does is increase cynicism in the community, increases the number of people who are voting formally and won't vote because they're denied the ability to cast a ballot for people who they support. So this is what the Party Registration Integrity Bill is all about. And it's kind of fly, you know, nobody's taking any notice, we're in the middle of a pandemic, you know, there's all those other issues, there's Afghanistan, and actually nobody's really taken much notice of what's happening in Parliament currently as far as legislation is concerned. But this has profound implications, profound implications. So what implications do they have for public interest before corporate interests? Now, as we were nearing the 500 mark, we now find that we will not be able to register for a while. It doesn't mean public interest before corporate interests will collapse. We'll just continue plodding on. Because public interest before corporate interests is not just a political party. It's a party that supports strikes and boycotts, community actions, protests, petitions, and the list goes on and on. It supports both parliamentary action and extra-parliamentary action. So although they may have made things a little bit more difficult, the reality is the struggle has not changed. The struggle to devolve power or share power and the struggle to hold wealth in common has not changed. The struggle to introduce a universal basic income, the struggle to uh, reverse the effects of privatisation, the struggle to affect 
reverse the effects of corporatisation and, and uh, deregulation has not changed. The struggle to ensure that taxpayers' money is used not to pr- support the private sector but to support a public sector which has almost been legislated out of existence has not changed. Nothing has changed. All this legislation does is highlight the hypocrisy of the current government and opposition. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, I've written an article about this, and this should appear on my Facebook page and a few other pages, the Anarchist Institute page and Public Interest Before Corporate Interest page, in the next uh, three or four days. So that's the plan, part four. Party Registration Integrity Bill. Yep, it happens here, happens in the land of the wattle. JobKeeper. Now, even I was a little bit shocked yesterday, and it takes a bit to shock me. I was shocked yesterday to hear there is a $13 billion black hole in the economy. That's right. $13 billion of your hard-earned money, and let's not forget that two-thirds of every dollar which the government has through taxation comes from pay-as-you-earn taxpayers, not from the corporate sector. That $13 billion of that money has gone to businesses and corporations through JobKeeper which have actually increased their Profits. I'll say it again. Increase their profits during the pandemic. And remember when Centrelink continues to send out fugs to collect a few hundred bucks from people who've been accidentally overpaid, that the government shrugs its shoulders when we're told that of the money which went out to keep employees connected to their employers during the first phase of the COVID-19 pandemic, that that $13 billion was overpaid to the corporate sector. And there is no legal reason that they have to pay that money back. Could you imagine if $13 billion had been overpaid to Centrelink recipients? There'd be a hue and cry in the government guild at ABC, in the corporate-owned media, you know, in, in, in this, you know, the um, social media cesspool. Hue and cry. Look at these bloody bludgers and leaners being overpaid. They need to pay it back. We need to, you know, wring it out of their blood, you know. It goes on and on. But when 13 billion, not million, billion, that's $1,300 million, 13 billion is paid to the private sector, the government shrugs its shoulders and says, and when we talk about why don't we list these companies that have made a profit and have refused to return job keeper back to the Treasury, why don't we list these companies 
we're told, well, that's discrimination. That's not nice. We don't want to upset our major donors, do we? Now that we sewed up the next election by denying minor parties the ability to stand candidates, well, why should we upset our major donors? Well, that's the luck of the draw. They get $13 billion, you get nothing. That's right. They get 13, you get nothing. That's the way it goes. Welcome to Australia 2021, the land of milk and honey for some. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano. Have you ever wanted to meet a 21st century Luddite? Well, you're looking at one. Well, you're not looking at one, you're listening to one. Now, if there's one group of people, and I've on the anarchist world this week, we've we've you know we've been talking about Luddism for decades, and the Luddites really have the about the bad, worst public relations um, image on the planet. I mean, you may be able to uh, improve the image of anarchists, but when it comes to Luddites in a technologically driven society, nothing. They are the bottom of the pile. They're the ones you piss on. Well, obviously, the Luddites, which were around at the beginning of the 19th century, in the early part of the 19th century, the so-called machine wreckers, were people who were sick and tired of seeing the commons closed down and people forced into the, into the satanic mills in the major urban areas in England. And they were hell-bent on destroying technology which made people's lives worse. That's right. Technology which made people's worse. They weren't mindless machine smashers. They were exceptionally targeted in terms of the employers and machinery which they uh, dealt with via direct action in an era where there was no parliamentary politics that involved, you know, the common person. So let's go up to the 21st century. Now, it's very interesting. In the 21st century, we are seeing the same economic situation for an increasing number of workers in this country that faced people at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution in the 1820s and 1830s. The same consequences, where all the cards were in the hands of the employer. So you could use four-year-olds to work in your plant. You could dispose of people who had their arms ripped off or got sick and not pay them anything. You could do basically whatever you like to workers. It was just another form of slavery. So what's happened? We've had another technological revolution, the digital age. That's right, the digital age. The great digital age where it's become convenience becomes the name of the game. The 21st century convenience. 
We've seen the growth and growth and growth of platforms in the digital age which have been able to bypass the gains that were made for workers over the last almost two centuries. Things like sick pay, holiday pay, severance leave, a basic wage. And we've seen the growth of these platforms, digital platforms, which provide services which exploit people's labour and offer them no protection whatsoever. And you know what the problem is? You and me. Because people have loved these new platforms. They've flocked to them, forgetting the person who's doing the work and, and in many cases the very businesses which use these platforms from being exploited. They're not protected. There's no legal protection. All those people who died in the great struggles the great trade union struggles, the great workers' struggles, you know, in the Western world that went over, you know, 150 years, gone. Gone. All those great gains, gone in a second. So we can climb into an Uber. So we can get somebody to deliver some shit to us at home. So we can go, you know, prepay something. And the list goes on and on. So you can do something about it. This is one activity which you have control over. Do you use these facilities? When you're at a supermarket and you asked to go into the uh, self-pay, you know, self-service aisle, whatever they call it, do you, like a sheep, go down that aisle or do you demand to be served? Are you one of these people who likes to sit at home and, you know, ring up for your home delivery? Not a home delivery, you know, from uh, maybe a, a business that has its own, own delivery service and pays people reasonably, but one of these platforms. And these platforms are everywhere. Amazon, Netflix, same concept, the same concept. So we all need to be 21st century Luddites. We don't need to smash machines and get ourselves hung, because that was the penalty at the beginning of the 19th century, or deported as a convict to Australia, and many Luddites were deported to Australia. You don't have to make any real sacrifice, except maybe expend a little bit more energy in looking after your own needs. Now, obviously, there are some people who can't do that because of profound disabilities, but the majority of us can. So become a 21st century Luddite. When you're in the bank and they point you to the automatic teller, say, no, I don't want to use the automatic teller. I want to see somebody. If there aren't enough people on the floor, say, I'd like to see some more people on the floor. When you go into a supermarket, when you're going to buy some takeaway, maybe the walk will do you good. Hmm? Think about it. Without you, the customer, these platforms would die in the arse because they're bad for business, because they make their money by charging businesses for delivery, and they're bad for the so-called independent contractors 
who are employed to deliver their services. No wonder you get billionaires like the owner of Amazon going up into the bloody sky and thanking all those people who've bought something on Amazon for that privilege. Well, I never have and I never will. I don't use YouTube. I don't use um, BPay. I don't use Uber. I don't use delivery services. I don't use the automatic tellers. I don't do this and I don't do that. So, strike back. Become a 21st century Luddite and let's ensure that the only technology which becomes a constant feature of our society is technology which is positive for you and technology which is positive for the people who deliver that service. You're listening to The Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, I, um, I have to laugh sometime. I don't know who's doing the current Defence Forces recruitment uh, advertisements, but uh, I did, know, did notice the latest recruit, recruitment jingle for the Australian Defence Forces is do what you love to do. Do what you love to do, all right? <laughs> Could you imagine that? Obviously, maybe some young people will be sucked in. Do what you love to do. They never really tell you what the Australian Armed Forces are all about. They never tell you that, do they? It's do what you like to do. You want to fly planes? Join the Air Force. You want to drive a tank? Join the Armed Forces. You want to kill people? Well, we don't want you, no, 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 because we do what we love to do. Come on. I mean, the Australian Defence Forces, seriously? Do they really think we're so stupid, that young people are so stupid that they'll be sucked in by these slick presentations based on the concept of do what you like to do, where you see young people dressed in military uniforms, smiling and, you know, pushing buttons and doing what they like to do. <laughs> Come on, seriously? Yeah, maybe if the Australian Armed Forces really said, look, this is what we're about, we're about defending the country, blah, blah, blah. Not that we're about defending the country, it's all about foreign wars, isn't it? But maybe they get more recruits if they're a little bit more honest. You listen to the Anarchist World this week. Now, just in case you think Uncle Sam's got your back... Now, it was very interesting to listen to Mr Biden, or President Biden, I should say, on the uh, rout in Afghanistan. It wasn't a a withdrawal, it was a rout. Let's be realistic. The Taliban were pushed out 20 years ago, they've come back, all right? It was a rout. The so-called military forces, which they trained, crumbled, crumbled within 24 hours, crumbled. And irrespective of what you think about the Taliban, Their victory in the 21st century is an extraordinary military victory, irrespective of what their policies are. The fact that they held together for so long, the fact that they're now back in charge of the country, irrespective. I mean, I've I've never supported the Taliban, I never will. But the way they retook power was an extraordinary military victory. 
Now, Mr Biden has made a very important statement which has profound implications for Australia as we continue to be on the front line in the battle against China. That's right, Australia. And if you live in Darwin and you're listening to this program, you know what I'm talking about because of all the American troops which have poured into North Australia constantly, 3,000, who are now permanently in North Australia. And you know about all the military apparatuses and bases and installations around Central and North Australia. And we see Mr Morrison go out, chin out, you know, poking the Chinese bear. Or it should be the Russian bear, but it's the Chinese bear or the Chinese um, panda. Yeah, pandas can get violent. So we're at the front line. We're doing the dirty work for the United States of America. Now, the main reason, and if you listen to Mr Biden, it's very interesting. The main reason America, the United States, has pulled out of Afghanistan is it wants to concentrate its effort against the main enemy, the Chinese. And they saw Afghanistan as basically a peripheral war, a waste of time. So they sacrificed the people of Afghanistan, the people they talked to about democracy and freedom and entrepreneurship, you know, for 20 years. They turned their backs on them and moved out so they can actually concentrate now on the so-called real enemy, China, right? And Mr Biden was very clear. He said, we're not interested in going to countries and changing their systems anymore. They got a civil war. They got a civil war. Let them sort it out. Obviously, America will intervene in a technological phase, but not putting boots on the ground. They're not about regime change. Policy has changed. So it's about forward defence against China. Now, do you really think that Uncle Sam's is going to protect your ass? if the Chinese Communist Party decides to ramp up the rhetoric as far as Australia is concerned because Morrison has gone out on a limb time and time again to talk about, you know, democracy in Hong Kong when he passes legislation under the Party Registration Integrity Bill to remove choice in this country when he talks about the rights of the Uyghurs, when refugees and asylum seekers have no rights in this country and this country's, and where he can't even talk about entry into negotiations with a treaty with this country's First Nations people. So if you think Uncle Sam's going to protect your ass when they've got a choice, do they abandon Australia and protect the US against the Chinese threat? Or do they deploy their forces here to protect us against the Chinese threat? You think about it. Think about how they turned their backs on the people of Afghanistan when it suited them to turn their backs. And last but not least, a very little a bit of a COVID-19 update. A dome within a dome. A bit of a debate going on in the community, well, amongst state premiers about what to do about COVID-19, when to open up. Obviously, the current situation is having profound consequences around the world. 
profound consequences. So what happens in this country? I'm interested in... It's interesting to see that as the vaccination rollout continues, that many groups in the community who are at most risk from COVID-19, people with disabilities, people from uh, First Nations First Nations people, uh, are being missed out as far as vaccination is concerned or access to vaccination. It's quite interesting that the 200, I think it's 250,000 people who are registered with the National Disability Insurance Scheme have lower vaccination rates than the rest of the community, and that's because many of them are housebound and it's very difficult for them to access vaccination. So when we talk about a quota of 80%, it shouldn't be a cross-the-board quota before you open up society. It should be a quota which applies to these specific groups as well as society as a whole. Because if we open up at 80% vaccination rate, ignoring that maybe First Nations people vaccination rate is 30% and disability is 50%, what you do is you set up a situation for a, a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Because what vaccination does is protect people from the worst excesses of COVID-19. It means that the majority who are vaccinated will not get severe illness. But as the number of people who are not vaccinated decreases, those who are vaccinated, like myself, who can still be carriers of COVID-19, we can catch it, not even know we've got it, will then increase exponentially and if there are significant sections of the community that are not vaccinated because of access reasons or lack of supply then they are at increased risk of getting very sick and very and dying so let's think about that when we talk about COVID-19 you've been listening to the Anarchist World this week broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program will be podcast in the next 48 hours. That's right, will be podcast in the next 48 hours. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name's Joseph Toscano. You can write to me, that's right, you can write to me at Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. Email me at info at pibci.net or email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com Websites to go to Anarchist Aid Anarchist World Anarchist Age Another website, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest You can leave messages on 0439 395 489 Listen in to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station next week. Courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to analysis of local, national and international events.
wash my hands. Oh, Lord, So it's up to us, the people. We need a treaty in this country. We need the end to the war in this country. And the only way we can do that is through a peace treaty. Not the one you see in Victoria, not the one you see in Queensland, not the one you see in the Northern Territory, because they talk treaty and still lock our people up. They still kill our people. They still desecrate our land and our water. A treaty means peace. A treaty means equality. And a treaty means justice. Thank you. Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.